0: It's Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. (laughs) As usual, I'm not alone in studio. I'm here with the other members of the Roadworthy Drive crew, my good friend and executive producer Jack at the controls, and our social media diva Sasha over at Mike2. Howdy, guys. Hi, guys. Howdy. Uh, How
0: are we? No meetings with the suits this week. We're good? Uh, No meetings with the suits this week, although I think I have one scheduled for either Wednesday or Thursday. I still don't understand why they don't invite me in. Uh, there's reasons.
1: Yeah, that's what worries me. There are reasons. You oh, have, well.
0: You have nothing to
1: worry about. I've been told that before, and that's <laughs> usually right before the bomb falls. Oh, well. Well, you know, folks, the Roadworthy Drive crew is always glad to hear from you, our listeners. We've made it easy for you to add your voice to the conversation. Text or call me on the Roadworthy Drive line at 872 or email me, ken at roadworthydrive.com. Either way. You will get the opportunity to share a thought, an opinion, idea, or suggestion. We want to hear from you. Now, as always, it's about time I ease into the parts bin, and I'm going to do just that. Um, I'm going to start with something that kind of crept up on me I didn't even know about. Now, we've been talking in recent weeks about subscription services, right? Right. Got a new one for you. Okay. Canvas. Canvas? Canvas. Like art canvas. Started last year. You'll never guess who. I have no idea. The Ford Motor Company. Ford you really? just
2: branching out into
1: everything. Let me read this to you. This is straight off the presses at Ford. Okay. Canvas expanded its flexible subscription-based alternative to car ownership in 2017. It started in 2016, and it is a subsidiary of the Ford Motor Credit Company. Now, here's their thing. This is what they say they are. Canvas is a simple, flexible way to have a car that bridges the gap between daily car rentals and traditional leasing or ownership, servicing customers who need 24-7 access to their vehicle but do not want the firm commitments of a traditional auto finance or lease contracts. Available via month-to-month subscription, Canvas customers pay one monthly price that covers insurance, Warranty and maintenance for ultimate peace of mind. And actually, um, I stand corrected. Canvas was actually acquired by the Ford Motor Credit Company in 2016. They created a true alternative to car ownership for today's customer with an eye toward the future. Of course, it's based in San Francisco. It has 35 employees and 600 customers so far. What is the monthly subscription fee? They don't say that, but packages start at 400 a month depending on vehicle and other options. Canvas allows customers to select a vehicle, mileage package, delivery location, and other details easily and conveniently through its website. When a customer is ready to return the vehicle, they simply give 7 days notice and Canvas will pick up the vehicle at a convenient location. And you yeah, The beautiful part is they started with a choice of two vehicles that you could choose, two Mm -hmm. types of vehicles. They've expanded their offerings, and they're using these first 600 customers uh, for feedback. And they're modifying the program in real time, and they're looking at expanding it. Now, obviously, uh, they launched it in San Francisco. Not surprised. Uh, They're going to expand to Los Angeles. Uh, They did in November. And I expect they're going to continue to expand to this cross-country. What are the vehicles that are in this program? You know, they did not mention that. Uh, but I would assume that right now, with their change, they started with two. My understanding, the way I read their press release, is pretty much everything
0: that uh, the Ford brand offers. At some point, I'm going to be able to pick an F-150. Yeah. Now, are they yeah. doing this with new or used cars? Oh, new.
2: They're brand new. Okay. And it's and he is right. You can choose from the Escape, the Escape SE, the uh, Ford, um, let me say Expedition. Down. The Expedition, uh, the Mustang V6, the Explorer. Wait a
1: minute. I can't get the V8?
2: It is not available right here. Well, what's the I point am, of I, having the Mustang if I can't have the GT? You can get the Sport Edge, though. I want the GT Mustang. Um, the now.
1: Or maybe the, I can get a Mustang Cobra.
2: According to the website, it is 2015s
1: okay. that you're selecting.
2: Um, the F 150 2015, uh, Jack, because you asked for that. Mm-hmm. It's coming soon. It's got a picture available. And guess what it's starting at for the package a month
1: 7 dollars I bet.
2: What are you willing to bet? What is it? $535.
1: Sign me up. Sign well, me up. That's, well, that's, that's now, that's warranty, insurance, and a payment.
2: Now, you that's ready for this? Other. Wow. Our base price is starts out at, you get $500 a month, or 500 miles a month, right? Mm-hmm. But for $90 extra, you get unlimited miles per month
0: now, oh yeah but Now, but you said that f-150 was a 2015 15 f-150 okay. so, so now that's a used vehicle
2: i'm not sure if it's maybe it, these are because it doesn't go into that
0: and so, they may
1: have started out as new so maybe low mileage now we don't know all that we don't know but i'm but you're I'm, not buying it and i'm willing to bet you the thing don't have 70,000 miles on it
2: right yeah these could be um because the year would be right these could be well, the one, leases.
1: Well, these would be the ones they probably started with. Yeah. So we don't know how often they're changed. Right. And remember, 600 people, they've only been doing this now. They're in their second year. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on this. But it's interesting to note that it's we've talked about foreign manufacturers and imports doing this. To my knowledge, this is the first domestic manufacturer offering something like this. I wouldn't be surprised if GM is
0: not too far behind. Okay, Sasha, I'm looking at you looking at your screen, and you're making all kinds this is of facial expressions. It presses. is
2: exactly what I have been begging for. The okay. car subscription and Ford got it right. They're not astronomical with these prices. I can have a four-wheel drive SUV, mm-hmm. um, the Ford Escape SE, 2015. The, the only
1: the only challenge you've got, Sasha, I have is, to move. <sighs> well, no. The question is... You know, how good a credit do you have to have?
2: That is also a very good point.
1: Because typically for leasing, you actually – and this is kind of counterintuitive, but it makes sense when you think about it. For leasing, you actually have to have better credit than to buy the thing. Why? Because you don't own it. Yeah. So they want to make sure that you are capable not only of making the payment – but you're you know you're aware and of means to make sure that if you get to the end
0: you can pay any difference but what i'm beginning to wonder is how much of this is going to start changing now yes. once once the the rest of the subscription services right. start
2: because i mean that's my thing ford is always ford is truly trying to stay one step ahead of the game
0: well
1: i and- i'm going to throw this wrench in there Here we and, go. and and i i don't have it fully i don't have all the information on it but I know Hyundai is making some progress in this area, too. Okay. So we'll need to check that out. We'll bring it back for our listeners next week because they had announced a program late last fall. And I don't know if it was a subscription, but it was something along these lines. Let me – I'm going to change
0: gears. Hang on. Yeah. I want to ask her one question. Real mm-hmm. quick. Would, would you now buy a Ford? Yes. Based on this? Yes.
2: Right now. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: And I have never been a fan of Ford. Okay. Well,
1: I guess you're going to be a convert, and that's half the challenge. And that is the argument that the automakers are making. That is what I heard on the floor of the Chicago Auto Show. We talked about subscriptions, that it's a long-term test drive, and it it reaches people who they don't normally engage with the brand. Okay. Food for thought. Question. Will driverless cars create or kill jobs?
2: It depends what industry. All of them. I think it's going to create more jobs than it's going to destroy.
1: Okay, here it is. Um, Jobs that currently require a human behind the wheel, nearly 5 million Americans fit into that category. Globally, it's 100 million. As autonomous vehicles become more reliable, these jobs, trucking, driving taxis, or delivery vans, could be under threat. But here's the wild part. Experts point out that self-driving cars could create new jobs as in-car services Manicures, massages, even mobile healthcare become realistic, and I thought that was pretty wild. Yep. In fact, Hollywood is even signed up to offer in-vehicle services like movies and stuff. Um, Intel and I think one of the studios might be Warner Brothers that has actually signed up to get into that, providing in-vehicle services, literally.
2: For an autonomous future. But I wonder how that's going to fit in. If I've got a Netflix account, I mean, what sense would it make that I do like an in-route movie like what you do on an airplane versus just log into my Netflix account and watch it on my device? Any more
1: than you can do it on your tablet, your cell phone, or uh, these services to go. Right. So it expands to the vehicle that maybe you are renting or riding in or whatever. So there you go. When I return, a conversation about the future of auto shows in general. Does changing technology suggest that the shows should change? And if so, how? This is Roadworthy Drive.
0: Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is America's premier automotive news and information talk show.
2: Factory racing teams in the world competed for the World Rally Championship. Peugeot won. This commitment to performance has helped Peugeot produce the 505 Turbo, a car Roden Track has described as leaving many cars of more sporting reputations far behind. So why buy a performance sedan that just promises performance when you could buy one from a company
1: that delivers it? Peugeot. If you're just joining us, welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Um, Part of what we do here with the Roadworthy Drive crew is when we're between segments, we often get into very heated or animated (laughs) conversations. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. Is that a thing? In this case, uh, it had to do with what we talked about during From the Parts Bin Uh, Sasha got really wound by the Ford Motor Company's new venture called Canvas. Yes. She's ready to do it. I can guarantee you two things. One, we will continue to follow Canvas as they grow. And two, do not be surprised if on this show in the not-too-distant future, you hear Sasha interviewing the head of that organization and trying to figure out how she can get them to come out here.
2: To Iowa. Yes, I need one.
1: So. There you go. So much for that. For the better part of almost 100 years, it, the auto show has been the place to kick tires, see the future, dream about the car truck you always wanted to own. Of course, unless Sasha has <laughs> canvas, then she doesn't want to own the thing. She just wants to drive the I thing. I just want to drive it. And you wouldn't need a car show then?
2: No, I would not.
1: Mm. However, <laughs> with technology running at wide open throttle, changes are on the horizon that will redefine the long and varied relationship America has with the automobile. That being said, what might that mean for the auto show itself? So here's the question. Changing times, changing tech,
0: changing auto show? I think the auto show is going to have to change, but I'm going to go back and, and say something that I've been wondering for a very long time. And that is companies like DZ Manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Now, full disclosure, they were the ones that helped us get started. We appreciate uh, Always will. D- D- good Z- people. DZ and they're, they're great people. But once you start getting into this stuff, how is this going to affect them? I think the answer is actually the same.
1: Um, being an aftermarket company like they are, mm-hmm. SEMA has actually already addressed this issue. They know where they're going. Okay. Where are they going? Personalization, Personalization. and customization. Okay. And in stereo, no. no. In stereo. (laughs) Consider this. As vehicles become more and more electrical, more and more dependable, you know, shade tree mechanic, wrenching, doing it yourself, what is there to work on? Your transmissions are electronically controlled. Your engines may not be internal combustion anymore. And as we've reported time after time after time, You've got roughly 1,800 parts in an internal p- combustion engine. You have 18 parts in an electric motor. Okay.
2: So, I mean, you might- 18 parts. That's it.
1: Did I mention 18 parts? Yes, you did. C- okay, I want to make this point. Your next customization
2: might come from, like, right now you can jailbreak your cell phone. Well, pr- programmers might be able to customize your
1: electric vehicle. You know? Performance, interior. I think it's going to be more about the experience. Yeah as opposed to the actual ride. The wonderful part about where we're going, these vehicles, the more technologically advanced they become, you start to lose, I really hate to say it, but what we used to consider personality, like how many horsepower does it have? How fast does it go? What does it look like? Is it low, lean, and mean? Those tend to go, will be going away. Mm -hmm. In its place is, all right, I'm in this vehicle. I may choose to own it. I may choose to timeshare it. It may be a vehicle common in my neighborhood, my job. Uh, I might have a service. I might share it with three other people. I may have bought it. All these things. Mobility is the question in which will drive what an auto show becomes. And I really believe as automakers lose these comparative points, Mm -hmm. which used to be performance and horsepower and and, uh, versatility, will be replaced with customization, personalization. I mean, there are commercials on TV. The woman comes into the airport. It's snowing outside. Her husband, from miles away, speaks to Alexa, says, start my vehicle. So by the time she gets to it, it's all defrosted and warmed up. Mm -hmm. He's miles away. But look at all that's just happened. You talked to the device at your home, which linked to your vehicle, and actually started it without a key, just with my voice. Let that settle for a minute. They
2: actually had that in that movie 2012, where he was going to start up his Bentley, and it didn't have a key at all. Mm -hmm. And it was voice activated to his voice. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. There are German automakers that you can start your vehicle with a movement on your finger on a pad. Yep. We're getting to the point where it will be eye recognition.
2: Retinal scanning.
1: Yes. Yep. All sorts of things. And in fact, Mercedes-Benz does that to determine whether or not you need to pull over and grab a cup of coffee.
2: Now, see, I had heard that they did it for uh, – it gauged the uh, the blood vessels in the ocular for um, – Drowsy or um, in hit uh, drunk, you know, had mm-hmm. been drinking too much. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: So the question is, with all of this happening, how does looking at vehicles turning on turnstiles in a large place going to convey any of what we just talked about? And that is the challenge. The challenge is not going to be performance in sheet metal and, "Oh, it looks nice anymore," which looks are still it, but not totally it. Everything that we just talked about has to be experienced, and we've seen some of that in Chicago with the expansion of the ride and drive under-roof events, but even those are limited for this stuff. Will they actually have an indoor test track for autonomous vehicles? How would you talk about – like, for example, Alexa, start my car, and I may be halfway across the country, Uh, or do this or do that, or Alexa, uh, take my car – to the beach house, but yet I'm in a town maybe 300 miles away. So the vehicle would be there autonomously when I get there. Maybe the vehicle knows based on my voice, uh, my settings, my, my, my audio settings, my uh, mood settings. Mercedes showed a vehicle a while back that allowed
0: you to set the mood and the scenery in the vehicle. Okay, what is the show that's on TV called, I think it's Cash Cab, where they've got the lights up right, on yeah. top of that? How soon are we going to, ha- basically, you're going to be able to lay down, look up at the roof, and watch your favorite show?
2: Okay, but see, that's exactly what Ken was talking about. You're talking about the ability to personalize the entire experience of writing. You're talking about the ability that, you know, you might have a complete wraparound system for watching movies or watching cinema or just, you know, panoramic if you're going to be going through the Rockies or something like that. You have the ability now that, um, dependent on, you know, your economic stature, what all is involved in there.
1: Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. But all questions to be answered. Next, why do new car transmissions have so many gears? Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network.
2: (laughs)
0: tuned in to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester.
1: This is the next to last segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Glad you chose to drop by I'm Ken Chester. We're still suffering from a little bit of canvas fever going on. <laughs> I'm
2: telling you.
1: Uh, yeah, Sasha has not recovered from that piece we did during the first segment. She, I don't
0: think she's going to recover before the show's over. I don't yeah, but think it's so. it's
2: amazing. Your payments go down the longer you have the vehicle. You get unlimited miles. You can take it anywhere in the continental U.S.
1: Okay, may I remind I'm you? I'm geeking too- out. Yes, you are. May I remind you two things? You could try. 600 customers, Uh been in business for less than two years. Uh Let's see if that don't change as they grow in complexity. Uh,
2: They're about to get 601 because I will beg.
1: Okay. In (laughs) any case, for those of you who want or need more than your share of the road, be sure to check out our show website. That's (laughs) roadworthydrive.com. Listen to past shows. Watch videos of our behind-the-scenes antics in studio. Oh, my goodness, really. Uh, As we produce the show and more. The website is also a great place to discover where you can tune into the show across this great-fruited plain or to find us on social media. Sasha keeps things light and lively, as you can tell, between shows online and often in studio as she shares automotive tech and other topics of note and interest. I guarantee you, (laughs) guarantee you,
2: there might be something on about
1: uh, just a wee bit. Probably the best new idea Ford's ever come up with as far as she's concerned. See how Sasha keeps the social in our social media. Now, we don't usually geek out on hardware here, Mm -hmm. but I thought I would would go into the weeds just a little bit, just this one time, about the lowly automatic transmission.
0: It's not lowly. Well, nobody thinks about it. Well, no, nobody thinks about it because it's so reliable.
1: Yeah. So reliable that you even have to think about it. It's the device that transfers the power from the engine through a series of gears to the wheels. Most of them, if not all of them nowadays, are electronically controlled, and it considers the right gear for the job over a vast number of situations. The transmission is a major factor in the fuel economy, traction, speed, and dependability of the entire powertrain. Now, interesting thing has happened as of late. In recent years, mostly for fuel economy, comfort, and responsiveness, automakers <coughs> excuse me have quietly taken two very different approaches to that trio of challenges. One of them, and you probably don't even know, your car probably has one of these, if it has a smaller engine, is called the Continuously Variable Automatic Transmission. You may have heard the acronym uh, CVT. And the other direction they've gone is what we call a high number gear transmission. Um, to give you an example, when I was a kid, the three-speed automatic transmission was the standard. And that was from about the late 1950s to about the late 1980s. Now, starting in the late 1980s, the four-speed electronic automatic transmission was the next big thing. And we went, ooh, four speeds. Oh, wow. Or three speeds with overdrive. Within 10 years, though... Five, six, and even seven speed automatics were the norm. And that was 10 years ago. Now we're seeing the first application of, get this, the eight, nine, and ten speed automatic transmission. Mm -hmm. Ten speeds. Ten speeds. My question, why? Right. So I thought I'd look into this because I got curious. I'm like, what is the deal? Um, And here's what I learned. And I got this. Uh, Actually, of all places, Fleet and Management Magazine. Okay. And it says this. With the corporate average fuel economy standards pushing automotive companies to produce more fuel-efficient vehicles, vehicle manufacturers have been evolving their transmissions so that they can sell (coughs) highly efficient vehicles without sacrificing performance. Now, remember what we talked about here, that in 2011-2012, Most of the automakers made a deal with the EPA that they would build vehicles in the future with higher fuel economy. Everybody Mm -hmm. did except one, and that was Volkswagen. We also know that the standards went up and were locked in from 2018 to 2022 and are considerably higher than even right now. So the automakers were going to have to use a lot of different ways to come to grips with Fuel economy, smaller engines, turbocharging, lighter vehicles. But that all said and done doesn't totally get it done. The transmissions are the next step. And their whole point is this. More gears means more flexibility in both drivability, response, fuel economy, because the engine does not have to work as hard no matter what you demand from it. Because the transmission gearing is always there to be better matched. Uh, people may not remember. Uh, With the advent of the six-speed and some of the four-speed automatics, uh, particularly the six-speeds, they used to hunt, or what we called hunt. You'd go up a grade, she'd downshift. Or she'd shift around, she'd upshift, downshift, as it tried to seek the best gear for the load and demand from it. Mm -hmm. These nine- and ten-speed transmissions don't do that. As a matter of fact, they have the ability to even skip gears. And the first time I came across that was actually with a manual transmission in a corvette really yeah corvette it was a six-speed manual and what that six-speed manual would do if you were over 20 miles an hour in first gear it would force you in a third gear Hmm. wow so, so the trick was run the car up to about 17 miles an hour and hit second because if you hit 20 she's going to force you in a third gear it would not go into second gear it at all. It would not go into second gear. would lock you out of second gear. Okay. Now, picture that these transmissions, automatic and totally electronically controlled, can skip upwards of five gears automatically, completely electronically, and it's so smooth you don't even know. So what it can do is give you fast off the line when you stomp it, but give you awesome fuel economy at highway speed. And that's the beauty of these number of gears. Now, something else GM and Ford for 9- to 10-speed automatics have come together. They've actually jointly developed them, just like they did for their 6-speed automatic transmissions. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. Oh, yeah. Cost. gets down to cost. It costs a lot of money to build a transmission from scratch. And if you come together, they can mitigate the cost of the hardware. Now, they can program them different mm-hmm. for a different throttle points and what they want for the vehicles that they're in. But the hardware is very common. Because they developed it together and saved millions of dollars, not to mention timing. It also lets them get to market quicker that way. Now, while GM and Ford has worked together, Chrysler has chosen to do business with a German transmission company for their 8 and 9-speed automatics. But at the way we're going, I would not be surprised to see Fiat Chrysler also come up with a 10-speed.
0: I was going to ask you that question if they were going to come up with it.
1: I mean, I haven't had any announcements, but where we're going, remember, fuel economy and performance, we got to get there,
0: and you got to get there from here. Okay, now let's go back and help our listeners out who may not know. Okay. And the first next big up is 2022, correct? Uh, 2025, actually. I thought there was one in 2022, and then there was one, another one in 2025.
1: Well, the 2022 is already set. Okay. The 2025 may change. And that's corporate average fuel economy, which all auto manufacturers have to meet by law that it's administered by the EPA. And that's why we're seeing these kind of changes. More gears, smaller engines. For the last segment, electric planes, autonomous planes. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive.
0: Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network.
1: Welcome to the final installment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thanks for listening. I'm Ken Chester. Although I love to talk about all things cars, we do venture off the beaten path from time to time. No. Yes, we do. It, yeah, we do. We get off into the weeds sometimes. And we talk about other things of transportation that is of interest to me, because, you know, I'm the host. What? Yeah. For this next one, I guess I would have to chalk this up to my late father, who was a master aircraft technician for a major American airline for almost 30 years. I lost him last year, and this next topic would be just the thing we would talk about, perhaps disagree. And since I can't share it with him, I'm going to share it with you. Electric planes and autonomous aircraft, believe it or not. Um, one form of transportation that has to see the same amount of progress in electronics or going electric is airplanes. And that's not to say there ain't any projects focused on bringing the idea of electric aircraft to the skies. Now, let me be plain. I am not talking about drones. I am not talking about little uh, virtual takeoff and landing gear. I'm talking about a uh, full-scale, current-day passenger commercial aircraft. You think they're going to be electric? Uh, Not only do I believe that, check this out. Okay. In October... Boeing recently purchased aircraft company, electric aircraft company, Aurora Flight Sciences, signaling its commitment to electric transportation. Likewise, startup company Zunum Aero, which has been backed by Boeing in the past, hopes to have its hybrid electric airliner in operation by 2022. But as they say, I'm not done. Now, Airbus, Rolls Royce. And German automation company Siemens has announced a partnership to undertake a project that would convert a plane to utilize electric propulsion. The trio has dubbed the project E-Fan X, which involves gradually replacing the BAE-146 airliner's gas turbines with two megawatt electric motors. I'll let that sink in. We've got two major Aircraft, commercial aircraft manufacturers looking at replacing their jet fuel powered uh, turbine
0: engines with electric turbines. Okay, now that they keep raising the prices on us on airline tickets, um, once they get this electric thing all worked out, how are they going to charge us more for the airplane ticket? I can't speak
1: to that, but I will tell you this. I was being sarcastic. Oh, I know you are. But I'll speak to this. Okay. Imagine a world where jet fuel
0: is no longer needed. I'll believe that when I see it.
1: I'm inclined to believe it. I'm looking at the example of the plane they're planning to
0: do. Okay, but my question goes back to the same thing. Are we talking batteries are powering this engine? Is the engine powering itself? Well, I'm
1: looking at this. There are motors, and I see generators, and I see... Some sort of energy storage, so I would imagine there is some battery power, but when you say generator,
0: mhm
2: is it one of those compulsion type things that once it actually starts like that it gets enough energy to start it and then it reproduces and manufactures
1: energy once it 's actually going? This is what happens when I get into the weeds, folks
0: <laughs> i'm sorry we 're curious, curious. I, yeah
1: it they didn 't get into all of that because I did not want to get into that deep. <laughs>
2: brought it up with us in the but room. But I thought it was
1: cool. It is no, cool. No, it is cool. And I thought it was worth talking about. We talk about transportation here. Yep.
2: I think it's amazing that there might be in our future a an electric assembly, an electric assembly that would be powerful enough to generate the energy needed to operate a fully loaded aircraft.
1: I'm not surprised. I'm not
2: surprised I'm just uh, saying it's
0: been happening in railroads since the thirties.
2: Do you know much
0: just a little. Well, yeah. but the thing is, the railroad is different. It's still on the ground, but the <laughs> point, but the point yeah. is, sir, in terms of tonnage, yeah, it's
1: electric motors that pull that weight. Well, you're right. Yeah, you know, it, it's actually traction motors that pull that weight. So if they can pull uh, thousands of tons. I mean, hundreds of thousands of tons you know with tractic effort which is ridiculous numbers the grip on the rails for these things through the snow and the ice and the wind and and yeah. I'll throw this at you uh, before my dad retired my dad retired from the airline industry in 2001 mm-hmm. he talked about something called the glass cockpit meaning these things were already highly automated then and they are actually worried about pilots being so disengaged that if there was a problem that they could get back active to deal with whatever needed to be dealt with manually
2: yeah because i mean are they actually paying attention they get so used to the fact that you know yeah they put on the uh
1: they throw a few switches autopilot well it's actually even more involved than autopilot really oh my goodness these today's aircraft can pretty much do it all including takeoff and landing
2: Mm -hmm. that's why i thought it was funny that you know i would actually i wouldn't get into a plane without somebody in the cockpit and i'm like you realize that Seriously, no one you don't necessarily need someone to land the plane or to I take mean, off. they're
1: there as a safety precaution but for the most part anymore. And my dad used to always talk about the redundancies in systems. Mm-hmm. I mean for all the systems. You know, you're
0: two they're or three redundant, in. They're redundant redundant. Right. Yes. Right.
1: I can't this is almost, you know, tailor-made for that environment. You sure. know, because wait, well, we've conquered that
0: with the railroads. So that's right. not a problem. But what you're thinking is, at some point in time, we're all going to get on an airplane, wanting to go someplace, and there's not going to be a pilot. You know, we do that at we do that at airports and shuttles. If you mm-hmm. get on the shuttle at a, at a
1: large airport, I'm thinking Atlanta, I'm mm-hmm. thinking Dulles, they're fully automated. There is no operator. Yeah. That's true. So yep. it's not nearly as convoluted as you might think. For those of us that have grown up with the airline industry back in the days of early jets and turboprops and things like that, Mm -hmm. it's a big deal. In the brave new world, not so much. But I said all that to say, could this be the next major frontier for the electric motor and what that Boeing and Airbus learn could be applied in many different other ways, even down to your autonomous vehicle? I would have to say yes. That is why I decided to cover this. I'll leave you with this. Boeing unveils a new unmanned electric cargo air vehicle prototype. Wow. Has the ability to transport a payload of up to 500 pounds for possible future cargo and logistics applications. And flying testbed to mature the building blocks of autonomous technology for future applications. This is happening now. I would consider this a last-mile sort of delivery system mm-hmm. Yep, in places where you can't get a vehicle. So this is happening, the people. In the bush. This is happening. So for lack of a better reason, I will consider this the last topic of mental palate cleanser. <laughs> On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester.
2: Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.